everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to the Your Village podcast, Parenting Beyond Discipline. Your Village is the most comprehensive site for evidence-based parenting classes available on demand at yourvillageonline.com. Our 50-plus classes give parents the foundation, steps, and tools for creating strong, healthy relationships with their children, resulting in responsible, cooperative, happy, and successful children and families. My goal is to help parents support their children in finding and reaching their own unique potential. The podcast is a place to learn about all things parenting and get your questions answered. I'm your village founder and your host, Erin Royer. So Katie Wells, thank you for coming on the show and welcome. And I'm so excited to talk today about toy decluttering, the, your four-step process for helping parents cure toy clutter. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. And I'm so excited. We're talking all of things clutter, specifically toy clutter, because the holidays have happened for so many people. (laughs) And come January 1st, I remember the feeling of just looking around my living room and going, the toys have completely taken over my house. So let's talk. Let's talk toy clutter. Yes, because I know, you know, as a parent who teaches parenting, like one of those things about being a more peaceful parent is not having to deal with all the clutter, knowing where your stuff is, being able to find Mm -hmm. things because it makes, you know, just the whole process more peaceful, more calming. So this is a great topic going into the new year. It's so true. And one thing I just want to share too, is that it's such a good reminder. I'm always reminding myself of this too. Our environments influence our actions. And so a lot of us, like when we're looking for parenting research, like your podcast or anything out there, it's like, okay, I get it. But then for some reason, We think clutter doesn't impact our kids, but their environments also influence their actions just like it does ours. So just a, you know, some encouraging words there that I know, you know, we've been thrown a lot these last few years. There's so much still up in the air, uh, you know, happening in the world right now, but our home is something that we can control. I know it's harder when we have kids (laughs) and when we work or when we're stay at home, it doesn't matter. We all have a lot of different I guess places we get stuck, but it is absolutely possible to create an environment that not only we, but our kids thrive in. Very nice. Definitely. So help us out with this toy clutter. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Okay. So I want to start before we get into like the tactical stuff. One thing I just like throwing out there because this is something that really slowed me down in my decluttering journey, specifically with toys, was that we can declutter, we can get the best checklist, we can have the most organized, beautiful play space in the world for our kids. But ultimately, at the end of the day, Erin, if we still believe that more is better, and that our kids are going to have a happier childhood if they have more toys, or that our kids are going to feel more loved if we can give them more and more and more all the time for the holidays or for their birthdays, then that's always going to impact 
how far we go in our simplifying journey. And it doesn't matter how much we get rid of if we don't work and focus and put some intention and attention on the influx and how stuff comes into our home. So obviously I know we just had the holidays, but for birthdays or graduations or upcoming holidays in 2022, I'd highly encourage your listeners to just start considering some gift giving boundaries with loved ones. Um, I was on a podcast the other day and she's like, okay, tell me like the number one reason parents struggle with toy clutter. And I was like, well, that's an easy answer. Grandparents, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like I know so many kids are just blessed. Like their grandparents or aunts and uncles, and maybe it's mom and dad too, who just want to shower them with gifts. But you know, it's simple math, Erin. If we get, you know, if our kids get 30 gifts for the holidays and we don't get rid of any, the, you know, afterward, it's going to start to add up and be really overwhelming. Um, so just, I, you know, I like to talk a lot about mindset and reframing. So that's something, you know, just to consider moving forward if toys are something you do want to tackle. Um, and then from like a very practical standpoint, well, let, let me um, jump in oh, there for go ahead. a second, because I do yeah. want to um, share with that also, because research does show that too many toys actually impacts children's ability to learn and play with those toys. Absolutely. So if they have too much, it's too overwhelming and they don't go deep with their toys. So actually yes. having like two to three main toys at a time and rotating those out is really um, helpful to their developmental process, their learning, because they go deep with those toys. They go deep into their imagination with those toys. So it actually is better for them developmentally as well to not have too so much, much around. So that's, that's a so great true. Point. And I've seen that with my kids firsthand, it, which inspired me to create a one of my most popular toy clutter cure courses. And it's it's wild because it can feel really intimidating for a parent to go, oh my gosh, you know, like from a practical perspective, these toys are what keep my kid busy while I'm trying to work from home, right? And all these responsibilities, like how, like I can't imagine getting rid of half or cutting it down to six or 12 or even 20 toys seems really overwhelming and how my child responds. But I've not had any cases with students where they reach back out and they're like, Katie, my, my kid was so upset. In fact, it's Katie. My five-year-old came up and gave me the biggest hug for clearing out her bedroom and she loves it. She has way less toys and way less stuffed animals and way less clothes and all these things. And it's just that, you know, it goes back to what we talked about early on, like our environments influence our actions. And guess what? Her daughter played for like way more longer periods of time, independent play in her bedroom with less stuff. And she loved it. She's like, mommy, I just love this space. I feel so good in here. And, you know, kids often, they can't find the words to describe like this environment, <laughs> all these toys are right. stressing me out. Like we right. can, so many parents can go, oh yeah, I'm triggered by countertop clutter or I'm triggered by toys. It stresses me out. And that brings kids up don't have the words. another another great point. I have parents ask me like, my kids won't play for very long. Why won't they play for very long? And I forget about that piece. Mm. That if they have too much, they're not going to go as deep in play. And that removing some of that will actually help them to play longer, more independently. So when you need that time um, to yourself, maybe clearing out some of those toys and leaving just a few out at yes. a time, three to four yeah. that are just main toys, clearing some of that out, even rotating them later will yes. keep them fresh and will help the children go longer without needing our intervention. And what do I play with? And I'm bored. <laughs> yes. That's a, sh that's like my, always been my cue to go, okay, I need to do toy rotation. And so that's <laughs> when I'll bring out, that's like my secret weapon. Like, okay, I'm going to go get a couple toys that I know they love. They've been put away for, you know, two, three, four weeks. And then it's like the holiday. It's like Christmas morning it's again. It's brand new. It is. And it's just, and it, it 
you know, it's just, it's amazing. All these different nuances in the way we set up these environments for a kid really do make a big impact. And not only their behavior, but their attitude, their ability to play. And it's just really joyful to be able to see your kids not have a ton of stuff, but just thrive and love it. It's, it's a pretty cool thing to see. And it helps remind me, like, I need to be content with less too, because we need to model that, right? We need to model that. Very true. Mm -hmm. All right. So let's get to your first step. Yes. Number one, I, we always need to start with decluttering. This is a classic mistake I've seen, I've seen with myself years ago and with my students too. They'll be like, Katie, I've, or they start with organization. They go out to target and get really cute new bins or they you know, see some picture on Pinterest that it's like, oh, I want that play space. It's beautiful. Maybe kind of Montessori style or open shelves. Like, oh, it's so beautiful. Like I just need more organization bins and that will solve the constant toy mess. Um, but truly we need to step, we need to cut through the clutter. Like there's no point in organizing the excess stuff because it's still not going to help our kids thrive in that environment. They're still going to be overwhelmed. Um, they're still going to often resist picking up simply because there's too much. It's overwhelming. And so start with decluttering the low hanging fruit, the easy stuff, like the broken toys, the coloring books that are finished, the half melted. It's like, I don't even know how crayons melt, but I would find like melted crayon. Like, okay. I'm not going to ask questions. I'm just going to get rid of this, you know, uh, just the easy stuff. And you can do that in quick you know, grab like a trash bag, like 10, 15 minute purges and quick edits. It doesn't have to be this whole ordeal, which I think a lot of parents are like, I don't have two hours to dedicate right now to do this. I'm like, that's fine. I didn't either do five, 10 and all that. It adds up because every single time you get rid of something, that's a vote for, you know, more simplicity and, uh, you know, a play space that your child can thrive in. So always start with decluttering. And are you ready for number two? I'm ready for number two. Okay. <laughs> then, then we can go into organizing. And one kind of note here on organizing is, um, again, with the, what we talked about earlier in our environments, influencing our actions, really simple nuances, like how we set up the play space can really impact the, uh, the way our child plays. So here's a great example. I used to have closed, I, used, I, I still do. I have the six like cube cubby shelf. It was like from Home Depot. Do you know what I mean? Like the cubbies. Yes. <laughs> and then it comes with like the 12 by 12 inch cube that you kind of slide in and out. And so I had six of those. And so when my kids were in the living room and everything was put away, they couldn't see any of their toys. And so what I did was I got rid of the closed bins and I opt, I got these really cheap open bins and some, and some of the bins I just got rid of and I would just put their magnetiles or one of their toys on the shelf so they could see it. And what that does is it helps invite your child to play with their toys. My four-year-old before this, he is not so much a self-starter, even when it comes to play. Uh, and I'm like, thank goodness you have a brother that can help you there. But like, I would have to be like, walk him over to the bins, open them up and go, well, let's, let's look at our choices. And so that's all I had to do. And he would immediately go to the play space in the morning and start getting to work and playing and doing what kids are meant to do using his imagination more. So it was really, really cool. So there again, um, organizing and just setting up the environment in a way that invites them to play makes a big, big difference. And again, it doesn't have to be expensive. It doesn't have to be time consuming. 
uh, that's, that's number two. Any questions there? <laughs> uh, well, I want to go back to number one because I realized yeah. I didn't have a question that came up. So decluttering. Yes. So let's say, you know, we're taking 15 minutes a couple times a week to go through and we're going to get rid of the stuff that's obviously it needs to go. So we're mm-hmm. getting rid of broken toys. We're getting rid of crayons. We're getting rid of, you know, the pieces of paper that have been ripped or, you know, the, the books and stuff. But beyond that, is there yeah. like a second step, like toys that they're outgrowing or that they've outgrown or that they haven't touched in a while? Do you have a, yes, like, like a level two for that? Absolutely. Le- phase two is definitely like assess what's left for most people. That tends to be gifts. Maybe there's some type of sentimentality or obligation to keep, or it's like, wow, this is like maybe a great open-ended toy. And maybe my child will grow into it. Do I hang on to it? Kind of like the tougher stuff where there's more like monetary value attached to that toy. There's some type of potential. I'm not a huge fan of non-open-ended toys. So that's something that is typically we can handle in that phase too. Maybe, and not always, but usually those are battery operated toys. Remember the more the, the toy does, the less your child uses it or will know is able to play with it. Right. If there's a fire truck that has batteries and it makes the noise and you drive the the truck and then the batteries die, it's like your child, I've seen this firsthand, like, doesn't know how to use it anymore. And so not that you need to replace all battery operated toys, but um, one thing I did in kind of this to transition was I just let the batteries die and I didn't replace them. (laughs) And then I'd have to say things to prompt my child. Cause again, they're used to the toy entertaining them at that point. And I'd have to go, Oh, Levi, what would happen if you made the noise? And he'd go, Oh, I didn't think about using it that way. Right. Mm -hmm. And then you can see their wheels spinning. And then what would happen if, you know, they were, you know, we're playing imaginary play. What would happen if you needed to put out a fire up on that hill and he'd start driving the truck and then then 30 minutes later, he'd still be playing. And with this truck that had made no noise and didn't move. And it was, it was really, really cool to see that. But yeah, there's definitely um, ways to let go of some of that, you know, excess, even though it could be valuable or your child could potentially use it. Is it worth hanging on to for an unknown period of time, which really takes us to step three is I'm going to stop you there for just a minute because I want to get to a word from our sponsors before we come back and cover the second two steps to curing toy clutter in the new year with Katie Wells. And then we will also answer a question from a parent about how to help their child decide which toys they're ready to give away right after a word from our sponsors. Hey, Parenting Beyond Discipline listeners. Ready to create a home that fosters love, warmth, and style? Look no further than Home Threads, your partner in crafting a nurturing environment. At HomeThreads.com, explore a thoughtfully curated collection of furniture designed for families who believe in positive parenting. From cozy reading nooks to durable playroom essentials, our pieces are crafted to enhance your parenting journey. Home Threads has an incredible selection of furniture, decor, and accessories like throw pillows, blankets to snuggle under for family movie nights or reading time that helps you create the warm, cozy home that is the foundation for happy family memories. I love all the great pieces I've gotten from Home Threads to finish the look in my home. Gorgeous yet durable and cozy accent throw pillows, blankets, and some really cute wall decor. I have an ocean theme throughout my downstairs, so I got a couple of really great wall pieces to finish that look. And some picture frames for the family photos. 
Visit homethreads.com slash parenting today and get a code for 15% off your order. That's homethreads.com slash parenting to get your code for 15% off your order because great parenting deserves a great home. Home Threads, love where you live. To me, there is nothing more important than my family's health and well-being. We all know the quality of the air in our home is important. But did you know indoor air quality can be up to 100 times dirtier than outdoor air? I've got to tell you about Puro Air. In 30 minutes, this device will remove allergens, dust, smoke, dander, and gases from the room. Puro Air uses a stronger filter called a HEPA-14 that filters pollutants at a microscopic level and is backed by scientists from Harvard and MIT. In laboratory studies, users saw noticeably cleaner air in just 30 minutes. When it comes to babies and children, there's nothing worse than dealing with a cranky baby or child who can't sleep because of congestion. Air purifiers can help reduce congestion and improve immune system function to fight those winter colds and flus. I use my Puro Air purifiers to clean the air in my home, especially in our bedrooms while we sleep. It has a quiet, relaxing hum and cleans the air from pet dander, allergens, viruses, dust, mold, odors, and contaminants. It has four levels, low, medium, high, and sleep and four different timer options so you can customize it to your home and your needs. Check out Puro Air at getpuroair.com. That's G-E-T-P-U-R-O-A-I-R.com. Puro Air is the only air filter that uses a HEPA-14 filter. That's getpuroair.com. Now that we're back, let's get to steps three and four for curing toy clutter in the new year, as well as Katie and I answering a question from a parent about how to help your child make decisions about decluttering their own toys. Okay, let's pick it up with step three. Step three is how do I know if you haven't been around your children while they've been playing, this is really where you need to cue in and know their interests. Like what toys are your kids interested in playing with? And um, maybe you have some great open-ended toys, some wooden blocks that they just haven't played with because there's been too much. So pull those out, take them out of rotation, pull them back in four weeks. If you do that a couple times and they still show no interest, that's my cue. Even though it might be a great toy, your kids aren't interested in it. So that's your opportunity for you know, I guess in our minds, it's going to tip you more into logic. Like, okay, I feel at peace letting this go because it's just not for my kids right now. So that would be kind of the step two, step three. Okay. Very nice. Um, mm-hmm. so a couple of things you said in there that were really great, really important is I love that I call them educational toys, which not to make them sound boring because they're not, <laughs> or they're, yeah, no, they're not like shoving that education, but um, educational toys are those ones that kids can play open-endedly with mm-hmm. and they can play with them usually a lot longer um, in each play period but also a lot, a lot later a lot longer over years so like yes. block, you know the wooden blocks tend to be a really great toy because yeah. they'll use them from two to five six seven I mean they're you know making you know little towns and stuff and then they just get more complicated with their play and they'll bring them into other types of toys and we had some just the regular wooden blocks. And then when they're five and six and seven, they're building castles and all kinds of very advanced creative types of things. And so just like you said, is exactly what I've always said to my parents as well is 
the less the toy does, the more the child will do, the more their yes. imagination that they will invoke, the longer they'll be able to play with the toy. So um, I love that point. And also when you were talking about putting things out on the shelf where mm. it invites the child to play, it really is. It's very inviting when they see it sitting there. If it's in a toy box, you got a bunch of stuff just thrown in there and they have to go in and dig for stuff you know, it's just, it's too overwhelming again, and they can't find what they're looking for. And so they kind of give up a lot easier or they play shorter. Um, but if you have it out where they can just be like, oh yeah, I forgot about that. I want to pull that down. I want to pull those trains down. I'm going to pull those blocks yes. down or those magnetiles down. Then that just invites them to play with whatever is sitting out, especially if you're rotating and they haven't seen it in three weeks or a month. And they're like, oh my gosh, I forgot about that. And now all of a sudden they're playing with this toy again. <laughs> Exactly. Out, out. And yeah, so they can see it at a distance and then undone. So some toys like, a, let's just use a puzzle for an example. Uh, you know, maybe your four-year-old is really obsessed with puzzles. So what I used to do is be like, okay, great, Levi, let's go put your puzzle back. And then I would have them break it apart and put that puzzle undone back onto the shelf. Because if you put the puzzle that's completely done onto the shelf, I can promise you do this as an experiment. My for Levi, when I did that, would not, wouldn't do, wouldn't go play with it because it, it's like, it's already, well, done. It's already <laughs> done. I don't, I'm done. Like I'm wiping my hands. I'm going to move on to something different. Um, and not that I, you know, obviously I know a lot of kids just get really into like their towers and I wasn't like, knock your tower down because it needs to be undone. Like, you know, if it needs to stay the cool high tower needs to stay up for a few days, that's fine with me. But majority of toys, if you can, um, you know, encourage your child to put them away and leave it undone. It's, you know, the next morning, it feels a little more exciting to tackle again and to use again. Yes. Very true. Nice. Very nice mm -hmm. point. All right. And what is step four? Step four is so often overlooked. So again, try and do some toy rotation. Let me give you some quick tips on toy rotation. I love toy rotation because I mean, there's so many benefits for kids and parents alike. I think for parents, we talked a lot about kids so far, but for parents, simplifying the toy means a lot of us <laughs> means less stress, being less triggered by toy mess, because I know that's a really um, common feeling. A lot of parents feel um, less uh, just frustration and resentment, right? Like I used to battle with my kids when they were very little to try and get them to pick up toys. And so ultimately it ended up falling on my shoulder every single time when really it was just too much for my two-year-old to pick up. And so, but I did, I became resentful every single day. I'm like, oh, all these toys and it falls on me. This is so unfair. And so by simplifying your toys and doing tour rotation and decluttering, uh, guess what? He started picking up after himself and like happily picking up after himself. It's much easier to pick up, right? And it makes sense. Like, when my wardrobe was packed to the max and there were clothes mm -hmm. everywhere, I didn't want to step foot in my little walk-in closet. It was overwhelming. And if my husband would have been like, you need to put all your clothes away before you buy something else on Amazon, I would have been like, nope, <laughs> <laughs> I can't find anything I need in there. So I'm just going to get another top on Amazon, right? <laughs> um, so yeah, simplifying the play space can really do wonders. And then really step four would be to remember to just do regular edits. And maybe that means getting your kids involved. Maybe it doesn't. It really depends on your parenting perspective and approach in your kids' personality and their age. But doing regular edits because kid, uh, clutter, toy clutter specifically really sneaks into the house, whether that's, you know, 
holiday gift bags from school, party favors and birthday gift bags from yes. birthday parties your kids <laughs> were at, church goodies. I mean, fast food, wherever all these things start to creep in. And if we're not just paying attention to the environment and being like, okay, uh, yeah, this is, this is getting a little too much. If the stuff is starting to overflow from the physical boundary and limitation you've put in place, whether that's an entire play space, a six cube cubby, like it was for me, or two shelves in a room, right? When those start to overflow, that's your sign. Okay, I need to edit. So maybe in the beginning, that's just scheduling 10 minutes a month or 10 minutes every two weeks. I would do at minimum once a month. And I would sit next to my kids while they played and they would have no idea. They've never looked at me and been like, hey, what are you doing? Because I know a lot of parents are like, I have a kid who won't get rid of anything. And um, and I know that's difficult because my six-year-old is very much like that, but I would just sit next to them and they liked having me there. Like, you know, I think yeah. all kids want their parents nearby. That's why they like bring their toys to play near us in the kitchen or whatever. <laughs> and I'd sit on the floor and just, you know, get rid of little handfuls of clutter, toy clutter that came in over time. And it just kept everything simple and it prevented the overwhelm. And again, it, there's nothing better to than watching your kids just having these deep, imaginative, meaningful play, quality play for long periods of time so we can get stuff done. Yes. <laughs> and uh, and then they pick up after themselves. So if that's not motivating to, you know, your listeners to declutter, I don't know what will, but your kids will mo- more likely be on board with picking up. <laughs> the rotation process. So yeah. if you have some tips about that, like I used to keep a, like a bin in the garage that, you know, I would just, that was kind of the spot for the toys that were out of rotation. But do you have other tips or other ideas that you want to? Yeah, toy rotation tips. Number one, just remember to, here's probably the most important thing that it took me a long time to figure out is when I did my toy rotations, I would completely take everything out of their play space. So I probably had about 12 different toys out initially, which wasn't a lot. I probably my toy, I'm trying to think of all the toys they had. I think the average play space has around like a hundred types of toys. Um, and wow. I'm not mean, that's not like Lego pieces. That's like one set of like, like like all your Legos are one toy. And we had a lot. So to go from like a hundred to 12 was like, that was a good start for me. And so what I did was I would take all 12 of those toys, Aaron, and I'd bring 12 new toys out. The issue was I took away a few of my kids' favorite toys. Magnet tiles and dress-up clothes are like a fan favorite and have always been a fan favorite in my house. And it caused major, like especially with my eldest, who was probably four at the time, like anxiety. Cause I was, it, he would, he was like, mom, where, where are my dress up clothes? Where are my magnet towels? Those were his favorite things. And so when you do toy rotation, leave at least one to two fan favorites, the stuff that you're like the toys, your kids play with every single day, leave those out. Cause it gives them some sense of control and stability in their play space environment. And then you rotate the rest and then don't stick to any rigid rules. Here's what I did. I read like a blog post and they're like, rotate every week, but instead I started to just pay attention to my kids' cues. So I have two boys. When they started to get a little rough with each other, <laughs> more so than normal, and like even fight a little more, I, that was a red, that was a flag, red flag for me to oh, okay, I need to get some new toys in here because what what's happening right now I don't like. <laughs> or mom, I'm bored, right? Another 
red flag. Okay, let's bring some toys and new toys into the mix. And then um, that was a big thing instead of like, okay, every Sunday I need to do this. And it was just, honestly, toy rotation for me in the beginning was more stressful than helpful. And a big part of that was, and I know we already talked about this, I didn't declutter enough. So I had like, you know, 60 toys in toy rotation. That's pretty excessive. (laughs) And so, uh, and the other thing is just trying to make sure you have different types of toys available that help with different developmental processes, you know, like the dress up clothes help with different development aspects than like building blocks would. And so just, you know, give your child an an opportunity with toy rotation to see if they start to gravitate towards these different types of toys. And um, yeah, those would be, I guess, some of the top tips off the top of my head for toy rotation. That's great. I love that. And, you know, my kids loved uh, well, all that stuff too. The magnet tiles were big for us. The wooden blocks mm-hmm. were big, but dress up was huge in our house. And I remember that dress up closet getting very overwhelming. And so, you know, just rotating out the different dress ups. So always yeah. leaving some stuff in there that they would have, but this way they only have like four or five things to choose from and not like this ridiculous. <laughs> we yes. have the policeman costumes, and the fireman <laughs> costumes and the astronaut and the princesses and the fairies and it just you know and then all the accessories that go with it all and I'm just like it'd be this heap on the floor and I'd be like oh my gosh nobody's gonna find anything in here right um, but they loved it but yeah rotating those out because it can get really overwhelming because they when they like to do that and it gets them really into that imaginative play and role play it's amazing but um you know, so I liked having it there for them, but when it became too overwhelming, then, you know, nobody's finding anything and they're, they're just throwing, you know, yeah. Throwing or the they just around. avoid, they, my kids would just avoid that space in general. Cause it's like, I, I don't even want to deal with that. I, I mean, I'm sure there's stuff to play with in there. And so one idea, if you have listeners who are like, yeah, I have like a hundred types of dress up toys is just slowly or maybe quickly start to wean some out. And then guess what? My kids, I I ended up with just a fireman and policeman costume for them. But if they wanted to pretend to be a construction worker, they would, after a while, they would just slap on any costume that was in front of them and still pretend. (laughs) And so it's not even, you know, it's just like the classic, like blanket over the shoulders is like Superman. Like this is what kids were doing a hundred years ago (laughs) that, you know, that simple blanket or blankie over the shoulders, it could be anyone, they could be anything. And so don't think that you know, your kids need tons of different outfits to act out and have these role play. I mean, they might need some prompting and a little encouragement from you if you're, you know, cutting down on those dress up clothes, but it's really, it's really cool to see your kids. Kids are just designed to use their imagination and, you know, the clutter just inhibits that in so many ways. That's very true. That is so true. I love that. So I got a question actually from a parent just a couple days ago, which fits so perfectly with this. So I would love to ask you, because I think this is more in your realm of expertise. It goes right on with what we're talking about. She wants to uh, start to uh, give away some toys, to donate some toys. And so she wants to try to get her child on board with this process. Mm. Do you have some tips for her? This is a loaded question. (laughs) It's so, it's hard for me to answer this, but I will say this. I, um, generally speaking, I never would encourage a parent to kind of try and force their kid to being on board with giving away their stuff because we all have our own walk with our stuff and relationship with our stuff. And I think 
so many people don't consider that kids, right? They're, they're young, their brains are still developing. And oftentimes when you're talking about their toys, they see their toys. I mean, this, a great example would be the blankie or maybe a pacifier as it's like an extension of me. Like, that's what I used to think when I was a child is like, my blankie is me. Don't even think about getting rid of my my blankie. (laughs) So I couldn't imagine my mom to a child like that, you know, trying to be like, let's give your blankie to a child who's less fortunate. I would have been like, no. (laughs) And then, and then I think the opposite can happen, right? Then your child becomes more attached and more like, this is my stuff, my stuff don't touch. Right. Um, so I've always really walked a fine line with my own kids and talking to my students about this, but I think one of the best things we can do is just model that, like model getting rid of your own things in front of your kids. Ask your three, four, five, six, eight, ten 10-year-old to de- declutter your wardrobe with you or your closet or the entryway, right? Get them involved in the conversation with your stuff first, and then it's easier <laughs> to maybe have that conversation and have them, like, let's do the same thing with your toys. Do you know how mommy just cleaned out her shoes and we dropped them off at this you know, organization. And did you see how happy that woman was? What do you think about doing that for your toys? I, I know Santa just came. You have some extra toys. What, what would you think about that? And so again, modeling it, having open-ended conversations. And um, here's the thing. Our kids will have a lifetime to be able to learn to be content and learn to pay it forward and bless others with stuff that's no longer serving them. So, you know, if they're three, let they can wait a little while, you know what I mean? Um, and that's when that modeling and just open-ended conversations comes in as they get a little bit older, I think are are more important. Yeah. Mm -hmm. She didn't give me the age of the child. So that always makes a difference too. Yeah. A couple thoughts I have on that. The, the first one was that, um, I'm wondering, I'm thinking that maybe like the toy rotation process, like you were saying, if you're rotating the toys out Mm -hmm. and they have a couple rotations, they don't touch it. They're not interested. You know, maybe bringing that up like, hey, I noticed you haven't really been very interested in this. What do you think about, you know, we put this in a pile for going to the Goodwill or going to, you know, some sort of uh, organization type of thing? Yeah, that's a that's a perfect way to do it. It's just you know, and it makes more logic for them too. It's like, yeah, mom's right. <laughs> I haven't <laughs> touched those blocks because these are my favorite. Um, absolutely. That's a great way to do it too. And I've also, um, you know, kids toys are akin to, you know, we think about like when we have like a nice car, a new car and if our neighbor came over, they're like touching it, like, Ooh, can I drive your car? Like, that's what I, how I talk to parents about like sharing toys when they're trying to teach their mm. kids about sharing. It's like, that's a, really big ask sometimes it's like it you is. know letting your neighbor drive your brand new car because they don't know if this kid's going to take care of this toy it's, if it's really special to them so approaching it in a way that's more understanding of that process which would be the same thing mm-hmm. with giving toys away or getting rid of some of the toys is you know how connected and attached are they to this toy if it's just something that kind of sits in the corner they haven't touched it might be easier for them to share or easier for them to um put it in a bin for a giveaway pile. If it's something that, you know, but even so some kids will be like, they haven't touched it in months. They'll be like, no, I'm not giving that away. You know? And all of a sudden it becomes that shiny new car, but just being aware of that process that kids, um, just when they're developing their sense of self, when they're really young and they're three and they're four and they're five and they're Mm. developing their sense of self, these are extensions of, of themselves. And so helping them through that process in a way that is very supportive and, you know, not doing it before they're ready to do that. Yeah. But just remembering that, you know, 
that one little toy car may turn into the, you know, shiny um, red car in the driveway that you just bought. You know? Well, you know what? I love your, I love your analogy. And I'm a, I'm a minivan mom. I love my <laughs> Honda Odyssey and I will totally like, I'm just, I love it. And so I wouldn't, I, it's hard to let people use my Honda Odyssey. It's not this shiny red sports car I'm obsessed with. It's my minivan. So I, I get it. That's hilarious. <laughs> I actually did just get a new car for the first time in years and years and years. I got a, a electric car and I love it. No, oh my let gosh, anybody drive yeah. it. A friend was like, can I drive it? I'm like, no, I don't even know how you drive. You're not driving my, and they drive differently too. So I'm like, no, you're not driving my car. Especially not mine, mine, mine. <laughs> so I can relate to kids who are like, no, I'm not sharing my sand toys. <laughs> exactly. Yes, exactly. Don't scratch my sand toys. <laughs> Well, it was wonderful having you on today. Um, and these are really great tips. And I'm going to remind uh, everyone again uh, where to find Katie uh, at in on Instagram at Katie Joy Wells. You can find her on Facebook at The Maximized Minimalist and also her website at katiejoywells.com. Is there anything else you'd like to share with the audience? I just hope this conversation, you know, invites them to think of things, whether that's stuff or in general or toy clutter a little bit differently. And just again, remind parents that your kids can have an amazing, beautiful childhood that they will remember for a lifetime without all the stuff. And if I can declutter my house, you can too. <laughs> so it's not a pipe dream. There's so many benefits to parents and kids alike. And yeah, come hang out with me on the podcast. We'll talk more clutter on the podcast. <laughs> awesome. That's great. Great. Thank you for those tips. And one last thing I was going to say is also, especially as kids get older, it really becomes more about experiences than yes. it does about things because mm -hmm. they play less and less with toys. My kids now are tweens. And so it's really about the electronics. And so getting them off of those electronics, it's now become really about experiences, getting out and doing things together. So I love it. You know, that's I love really kind of where we're headed anyway. As your kids get older, they're really heading <laughs> more towards having experiences together anyway. So connecting those connecting experiences are, are really going to um, go a long way into enjoying their childhood, things they will remember anyway. Yeah, that's it. You hit the nail on the head. Things they will remember. I can't tell you maybe one toy I remember from my childhood, but um, I do remember my mom playing go fish with me, you know, at the kitchen table every day before kindergarten yeah. and, you know, making hanging out with my grandpa, yeah. making cookies. It's like all oh, the things that you want to pass on and uh, you want to continue with your kids. I mean, that's, that's what they remember. They're not going to remember that yo-yo. It's going to break in two minutes anyway, you know, <laughs> <True>. <laughs> darn yo-yos. I think it's like the worst gift ever. <laughs> my kids just need to be a little bit older, maybe, but <laughs> yeah. Very true. Awesome. Well, thank you, Katie, for coming on and go see Katie on her podcast, her website, Facebook and Instagram. Awesome. Thanks, Erin, for having me. It was, it was so fun. You're welcome. Okay, next week we are back to questions. So if you have a question you'd like answered, you can send an email to podcast at yourvillageonline.com. Thanks for listening and see you next week. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. -ba -ba.